Would you stand with me this morning as we read from God's Word? Pastor Bruce continues this week the series on the Ten Commandments for today. This week we focus on the Fourth Commandment. Scripture reading this morning is out of Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. You got the Fourth Commandment and the Sabbath day. Again, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. You can find it in your Pew Bible on page 43. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Let's pray. God, this weekend, as we remember those who have served and sacrificed our country, God, may we also remember you who served and sacrificed, God, a people to bring them to you. Lord, may we honor you and remember your day. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning, we want to continue in our series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, a series that we've been in now for, uh, I think, four weeks, and this is our, our fifth Sunday in the uh, Ten Commandments series, and uh, I'm excited about this one today, very appropriate commandment for today. You may have caught the very first word of this commandment. It is what? Remember, and of course, Memorial Day, and the weekend here is all about remembering uh, our soldiers who have sacrificed, and, and as Kirk even prayed, he alluded to remembering uh, our Savior, remembering our God who saves, and resting secure in Him. And so there's kind of a tie-in here in, in the appropriateness of this commandment falling on this specific weekend. So I'm glad you're here to hear about it, and I hope you'll open up your heart to what this commandment has to say for us, uh, even for today. Uh, These commandments are not obsolete, as we've learned. They are still relevant for our lives today. They're God's blueprint for uh, behavior and blessings. And so as we continue in this series, let's begin with this question in mind. The question is, are you tired of being tired? Raise your hand. Come on. You tired of being tired? Okay. If there's one word that describes most people today in our country, it is the word overload. I think some of you would agree with that. The mere mention of this word triggers a groan or a sigh within us. Why? Because overload reminds us of the weight of just everyday life that we live in today. We're overcommitted, overanxious, overworked, and overextended. Our tanks are on empty, and we're running on fumes physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In fact, we could almost say overload is just another way of saying overwhelmed. And some of us here this morning, we are overwhelmed by the pace of life in which we live. Some of us are overwhelmed by the pressures of life in which we face. While others of us, we are simply overwhelmed by the pain of life in which we have experienced. Whatever the case may be, it's no wonder Ben Patterson said, seven days without a Sabbath makes one weak. Not W, 
W-E-E-K, but W-E-A-K. Seven days without a Sabbath makes one week. Overloaded people need words that begin with R-E. Do you know those words? Words like restore, revive, replenish, refresh, and renew. These words appeal to us because they seem so foreign to our everyday experience. But God, in His mercy and in His grace, has given us a timeless gift to help us overcome overload in our lives. This gift is called the Sabbath. And you're like, what is that? What is the Sabbath? Well, notice in your notes, the Sabbath, if we could summarize it down to one sentence, one phrase, it's this. The Sabbath is God's invitation to earthly and eternal rest in Him. Man, I like that. I like the concept of rest in God. The Sabbath is God's invitation to rest. In fact, God invites people to share in His rest. And King David takes him up on his promise when he says in Psalm 62.1, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. And then we go all the way over to the New Testament. And when Jesus comes on the earth, Jesus makes this promise. And He invites people to share in His rest when He says in Matthew 11.28, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. But here's the problem. We live in a culture of 24-7. And we are a 24-7 people, and we have neglected God's Sabbath invitation to rest in Him. And our negligence is killing us spiritually and physically. Here's how Alex McCrossan describes the story of the American Sunday. Americans went from viewing Sunday as a holy day of rest to a day of cultural enlightenment to one of mindless consumption, and amusements. You see, the Sabbath, way back, used to be the best part of the week, and now we don't even know what it is. What is the Sabbath anyways? And is the Sabbath the same thing as Sunday? Or are they two different things? And how should the Sabbath fit into our modern lives today? Some think the Sabbath is an Old Testament idea that has absolutely no value to us today in the 21st century. While others of us, we grew up thinking that this commandment should be paraphrased, thou shalt not enjoy life on Sunday. There should be no fun on Sunday. And if you're having any fun on Sunday, then you're breaking the Sabbath commandment. But neither of these versions fits the biblical concept of God's invitation to rest in Him. Now, as we dive into this fourth commandment, Let me quickly make just three observations right off the bat. And the first observation is, you may have caught it and noticed it already, this is the longest of the Ten Commandments. I think that says something. I think it says to us that uh, it it must be pretty important. God spent some time on this commandment. Number two, the, the second observation, this is the most difficult commandment to interpret properly. I'll be the first to admit that, as I have done my study this week, let me tell you, no, not, there's, there's different views on this. Let me just say that up front. Not everybody agrees on, 
on what this, this commandment means and, and what it means for us today. And I have tried to study this out, and I will share my study with you. But listen, if you have a different take on this, if you come up with a different interpretation, a different application, then hey, that's fine. Go study it for yourself. And share with me what your take is on it. It's the most difficult one to interpret. The third observation is this is the only commandment not repeated in the New Testament. Now, that's significant when you consider that the other nine commandments are all repeated in the New Testament. But this command to keep the Sabbath is nowhere to be found following Christ's death and resurrection. So does this mean we should toss this commandment out the window? Does this mean we should just pack up our Bibles and walk out and just skip this message altogether? Well, in order to get a grip on this Sabbath commandment, I want us to answer two broad questions this morning. And hopefully, by answering these two questions, it will begin to shed some light on this often misunderstood commandment. The first question we want to answer is, well, what did the fourth commandment actually mean for the nation of Israel? After all, these commandments were given specifically to God's people, the Israelites, as they begin to form a nation for themselves. And then the second question is, well, what does this commandment have to say to us today? What does it mean for us as the church today? So let's look at the first question. What did the fourth commandment mean for Israel? Number one we see the purpose. The purpose of the Sabbath is to remember God's redemption. That's the primary purpose that God had for giving the nation of Israel this commandment. Notice how this commandment begins in Exodus 20, in verse 8. God says very simply, very clearly, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the obvious question is, well, what are the Israelites to remember about the Sabbath day? Well, this wasn't the first time they had heard about the Sabbath. You may, some of you may recall that on their journey to Mount Sinai, immediately after their exodus from Egypt, that God began to provide manna for the children of Israel for six days. And on the sixth day, they were to collect enough manna to hold them over for two more days. Why? Because Exodus 16.23 tells us that the seventh day was meant to be a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So then when they reach Mount Sinai, and God gives the commandments now to Moses, God commanded them to, quote, remember the Sabbath. This was something God wanted them to remember, not just once, but he wanted them to remember it now every week. But why does God want them to remember this? Why does God want the Israelites to remember to keep the Sabbath day holy? I mean, what's the big deal about that? Well, most people assume that the purpose of the Sabbath is focused solely on resting the weary mind and body. And while the word Sabbath does mean to rest, I would submit that God's primary purpose of the Sabbath rest is far more significant than physical rest, but it's remembering the spiritual rest we find in God's grace. 
In fact, the word Sabbath, it actually comes from a Hebrew word meaning to rest or cease to rest. But the Sabbath purpose is now clearly stated when the Ten Commandments are repeated again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In verse 15, God says to the children of Israel, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, God is telling his people that the purpose of the Sabbath is to take one day a week to remember that God is your mighty Redeemer who delivered you from the bondage of Egypt. And yes, one of the benefits, in fact, we will talk about this later on, of their rescue, of their deliverance, was that they now didn't have to work 24-7. Back in Egypt, they had to work seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year, for 400 years without ever getting a vacation. But now, God has set them free. And the Sabbath was a day to celebrate their redemption by resting one day a week from their work in order to give God glory, in order to remember what God had done for them in their redemption. So the Sabbath day is this. We could summarize it this way in your notes. For the nation of Israel, it's God's gift to Israel as a day of worshipful rest focused on remembering God's redemption from bondage in Egypt. So it's a gift. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's something that is to be enjoyed, not something that is a curse. It's a gift to Israel as a day of worshipful rest with the focus on remembering God's redemption from bondage in Egypt. Now, I do find it ironic, and perhaps you do as well, that God has to tell them two times to remember. Why do you think that is? Well, I think the answer is somewhat obvious. It's because we, just like the children of Israel, or they, just like us, we are prone to forget. And when we forget, we fail to praise God for saving us. Sadly, the Israelites often forgot to remember the Sabbath. And when they did, they inevitably fell back into spiritual bondage. So the Sabbath is simply God's way of making sure that his people take time to remember that he is our deliverer and that we cannot save ourselves without God intervening in our lives with his grace. In Exodus 31, 13, God made a covenant with the Israelites when God said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. In other words, God promised that he would be their God and they would be his people, and the sign of that covenant is what? The Sabbath. Them remembering to keep it. And you say, well, you know, what's the big deal about that? Well, remember, these people have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. It was a brutal experience, and now God in His mercy delivered them, and the Sabbath was a day of worshipful rest 
as a reminder of God's redemption. But the Sabbath was also a sign that pointed forward to the person and work of Jesus Christ, who would bring eternal rest to those who trust him as their Lord and Savior. So the Sabbath is not only a time for the nation of Israel to remember, it was also a sign that pointed them to the better things yet to come. It was a a shadow, as Paul called them, of the reality of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the eternal Sabbath rest. And that's why Jesus, when he came to this earth, could then say and offer the invitation of rest to all people, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But it's spiritual in nature. Now, Something else we ought to take notice of before we move on. God was so serious about the Sabbath that he commanded the Israelites not only to remember the Sabbath day, but to keep it holy. Literally, they were to sanctify the Sabbath by setting apart one day in seven from the ordinary run of human work and activity for the express purpose of worshipful rest so they could refocus and remember God as their Redeemer. So what we see in this fourth commandment already is a command to the children of Israel not to forget God's redemption by not forsaking God's Sabbath. Which brings us now to the pattern of the Sabbath. The pattern. Notice the pattern is established in God's creation. It's established in God's creation. The Sabbath was a rest unto the Lord, and God linked it to his own work in creation. Notice what God tells his people in verse 9. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, this part of the fourth commandment is often overlooked. God says it's our duty to what? To work. We are to work. We're not to be lazy. We're to work. This doesn't mean we have to work all day, every day, but it does mean that God governs our work as well as our rest. Look what else he says in verse 10. He says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. What does this mean? Well, it simply meant for the children of Israel that six days are for us in our work, and one day is for God in his worship. To keep one day a a week holy unto the Lord is to give the day over to God, setting it apart for Him and His glory. This focus on worship is what led the Puritans to refer to the Sabbath as the market day of the soul. In other words, what they mean by that is whereas the other six days of the week are for ordinary business, this is the day we devote to transacting our spiritual business trading in the currency of heaven. So the Sabbath, as you are beginning, hopefully, to see for the nation of Israel, is is not a day for business as usual. Rather, it is a day for worship and rest unto the Lord. It's a day, in other words, to step back from life's ordinary routines in order to rediscover God's goodness and grace in our lives. And don't miss the fact that this rest, and this is interesting, it was for 
everyone. Notice what God says in verse 10. He says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Now just stop for a moment and imagine with me. Can you imagine the whole creation at rest? Once a week, people all over the world would stop striving for the things of this world and turn back to God and rest in His goodness and grace. Just imagine what the world would be like. Now, the whole basis of this commandment is very simple. We are called to work and to rest because we serve a working, resting God. Look what God says in verse 11. He says in verse 11 of Exodus 20, for in six days the Lord, what did he do? He made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In other words, he set it apart unto himself. God introduced the concept of the Sabbath at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 when God created the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. And thus, he sets the pattern for our own work and rest. Now, what do we take away from this pattern at creation? What do we learn from God's creation pattern even for us today? Well, I think one thing we can take away and learn is this, is that six days are for work unto the Lord, and one day is for rest unto the Lord. That's the pattern at creation. We serve a working God who's been at work from the beginning, and he continues his work, folks, listen, even today in his redemption and reconciling of humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. But when it came to the work of creation, Genesis 2.2 says that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Listen, part of the dignity of our work comes from the fact that God is a worker. We work because we're made in the image of a working God. And yes, it's also true that when Adam and Eve sinned, the curse came as well, and our work became much harder. But do you realize that before the fall, God had already gave Adam work to do in the Garden of Eden. Work predates the fall or sin. But we not only serve a working God, I love this, we serve a resting God who once his work was done, rested. In Genesis 2.2 goes on to say that God rested on the seventh day from all his work. So what does that mean that God rested? Well, I'm pretty sure on this one. It doesn't mean God was tired like we get tired from a hard day's work. I'm pretty sure that's not what that means there. I like how John Piper, he says it and defines it this way. It means at least that God was satisfied that his work of creation was complete and was, quote, very good. His rest means that he wanted to now stand back, as it were, in leisure and savor the beauty and completeness of his creative work. And then to mark this occasion 
It says in Genesis 2, now verse 3, that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now this is interesting because this is the very first time in the Bible that God blessed anything and made it holy. But again, what does that mean? It means simply that God made the seventh day a source of blessing and a focus on himself. And of course, one of those blessings of creation pattern is that God created a certain rhythm to life. And we get to benefit from it. Physically, we benefit from the creation rhythm of life. Listen, God knows you can't go 24-7, week after week, week after week, week after week. We were not designed that way. And if you try to live your life working and running and going 24-7, week after week, listen, sooner or later, you will wear out and break down. There is something to be said for the creation pattern of work, rest, work, rest. In fact, during the French Revolution, radicals abolished Sunday as a day of rest. But they found out the health of the nation suffered dramatically, and they reinstated Sunday as a day of rest. Now, we can sum it up all this way. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder. Reminder of what? That all true blessings come from God's grace and not our labor. And we keep the day holy by stopping to give him our special attention and focus on that day. Again, I like how John Piper summarizes it. God is saying, in effect, let my highest creature, the one in my image, stop every seven days and commemorate with me the fact that I am the creator who has done all this. Let him stop working and focus on me. That I am the source of all that he has. I am the fountain of blessing. Let man look to me in rest one day out of seven for the blessing that is so elusive in the affairs of the world. Now, we have seen the purpose of the Sabbath. For the nation of Israel, it was to remember God's redemption. We see the pattern of the Sabbath in creation. God worked six days and then rested on the seventh day, and he implemented that pattern for the nation of Israel. And there's something to be said for all of humanity taking note of that pattern in our lives physically. But all this brings us to the question that's really on our hearts and minds, the question that we really want to know. What does the fourth commandment then mean for us as the church today? Do we still abide by it like the nation of Israel, or does it mean something different for us now? Well, that brings us to point number three, which I think we can say the principle. There's a principle in the Sabbath in which we can learn from, in which we can adopt. And the principle of the Sabbath for the church today, which is us, is to celebrate Christ's resurrection. Is to celebrate Christ's resurrection. Now, Stay with me on this. It's important to remember, according to Colossians 1, verse 16, that Jesus created all things. 
And that includes the Sabbath. So when Jesus arrived on this earth, he honored the Sabbath. He recognized the Sabbath, but even more importantly, he identified himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. You may remember in the Gospels, Jesus was always confronting the Pharisees. Those dudes that thought they knew it all. And they did, they just didn't live it. Or they tried to on the outside, but not on the inside in their hearts. And the Pharisees had taken God's Sabbath, and they loaded it up with more than 1,500 nitpicky rules and regulations. In other words, they took a good gift from God and made it an unbearable burden for people to live under. And so as a result, in the first century now, when Jesus is alive, and even after he, well, really prior to his, his res- death and resurrection, the context in the first century of the Sabbath is simply one of Sabbath corruption and Sabbath confusion. Nobody has any idea what it means because the Pharisees had obliterated it. And there's corruption all around it. But as the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus comes along and he makes it clear in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then, as you know, Jesus fulfilled the Father's work when he died on the cross and resurrected. In Christ's resurrection, oh man, it changed everything. It changed everything, including the Sabbath day commandment. Notice this in your notes. As the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus superseded the Sabbath commandment by establishing Sunday as the Lord's day with his resurrection. I like what B.B. Warfield, he explains it like this. He says, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him, and he brought the Lord's day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morn. That is a great explanation. You see, prior to Christ's resurrection, Christ's disciples observed the Sabbath on Saturday, like all good Jews did. But when Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, let me tell you, a significant change occurred. A shift occurred very early on in the life of the church. The disciples began worshiping the Lord not on Saturday, but on what day? Sunday. You can do a study of this throughout the New Testament. Why did they change their worship and restful worship on Saturday to Sunday? Because they wanted to celebrate the resurrection of their Lord. They wanted to take time out of their weekly schedule to do that. And today, the church continues this change by celebrating the resurrection on the Lord's day. On the first day of the week. Derek Prime, he provides a helpful summary when he writes, The change here not only bore witness to the resurrection but it emphasized the difference between the Christian Sunday and the Jewish Sabbath. The Jewish Sabbath came at the end of six days and spoke of the rest to come. The Christian Sunday comes at the beginning of the week, symbolizing the eternal rest that Jesus Christ has won for those who trust in him. Man, that, is, that, that's, that says it all right there. Now, it's interesting to note, 
And please note this with me. That worship becomes the priority on the Lord's day in the early church. Now, I say note this because this is a significant concept here, an idea. It's significant, especially when you consider that a, quote, day of rest was nearly impossible for many Christians in the first few centuries after Christ's resurrection, especially for those poor and slaves. And yet, and yet, because worship of their risen Lord was such a high priority, Christians then didn't let work stop them from gathering together for corporate worship on Sundays. They either came early in the morning before work, or they came late in the evening after work. Here's the point, if I can say it like this. Christ's resurrection radically changed everything, including our priority on the Lord's day. The week now begins with worshiping the risen Savior on Sunday, the first day of the week. So what does that mean for us? That was in the first few centuries. We're now in the 21st century. What should our priority be today as believers who have placed our faith and trust in a risen Savior? Should we remember the Sabbath or should we keep the Lord's day holy? Well, there's only three options. Notice this. Option number one is, is to observe the Sabbath on the seventh day. Now, this view teaches that the fourth commandment continues unaltered, unchanged in the life of the church, just as it had existed for Israel. This view takes the Sabbath commandment, let me tell you, very, very seriously. Consequently, Seventh-day Adventists go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. But this view fails because there is absolutely no New Testament evidence to suggest Christians must continue to observe a Saturday Sabbath. In fact, Romans chapter 14 tells us this is fine for Jewish believers if they want to continue to do this, but it's not to be an issue among Gentile Christians. And I think this view fails because it does not properly distinguish between Israel and the church. It does not distinguish between law and grace. And I don't think it distinguishes between the purpose of the Sabbath for Israel and the purpose of a Lord's Day for us in the church now. So that's the first option we have. I don't know too many people that abide by this one. Number two, option number two is to observe the Sabbath on the first day of the week. This view suggests that Sunday has replaced Saturday as the, quote, official Sabbath day. This view does recognize the legitimacy of the fourth commandment as well as the importance of the resurrection. But the biggest problem with this view is that Sunday is never called the Sabbath in the Word of God. And there is no evidence in the New Testament that the Sabbath was transferred to Sunday. 
you won't find it. In fact, I would suggest that the Christian Sabbath view, as this is often called, directly contradicts what Paul teaches in Colossians 2. And part of the confusion here has to do with a lack of understanding that Christ in his resurrection superseded this Sabbath commandment. And it changed everything. It changed the priority, listen, from a Sabbath day rest to a Lord's day worship. So that's the second option we have. And this option was prevalent among the Puritans and 200 years ago, 300 years ago. But I don't think it's a correct option. Number three, a third option, is to participate in restful worship on the Lord's day. You see, keeping the Lord's day holy has been a priority of most Christians around the world since the days of the early church. We set aside Sunday as the Christian day of worship, in order to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on his day. It's what the disciples did, it's what the early church did, and it's what you find in history since then. Listen to me. The central issue here for Christians today is not so much the fourth commandment, but the command in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says to gather together for corporate worship on the Lord's day, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. And when we gather, we gather together for the purpose to prepare our hearts for eternity, to be challenged by God's Word, to encourage one another, to renew our hearts in the eternal rest that is promised to us through Jesus Christ. Now, the obvious question here, Well, does that mean I can't work on Sunday? Does that mean I can't play? Does that mean I can't go to the store? I can't wash my car? I can't go to a ball game? I can't mow the grass? I can't watch a football game? Does that mean I can't have any fun? That's what we all want to know, right? And the answer is no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Listen, we don't want to get caught up in the Pharisees and what they did to the Jewish Sabbath. And we don't want to turn the Lord's Day into that. And the way to avoid all this legalism is to remember that the Lord's Day is for celebrating the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, the main issue on the Lord's Day is not what we are not to do with a list of can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. So the issue is not what we are not to do, but rather what we are to do. And that is to worship Christ as the Lord of our lives. That is the primary focus here. Now, the question, I believe, becomes, and it's a question that has a lot of relevance for us now, and that is, Why then don't more professing Christians enjoy a worshipful rest on the Lord's day? Think about that. If you were to answer in your own heart, When I come to church on Sunday, 
Do I enjoy worshipful rest in worshiping my Lord and Savior? Why don't more Christians enjoy worshipful rest in restful worship? I think there are three obstacles hindering us from restful worship today. Three obstacles. This is in your notes when it comes up on the screen. Three obstacles that, that are so relevant for us today, and, and we're facing these obstacles like never before in our culture, and they are hindering us as believers in Christ from truly enjoying restful worship today. The first obstacle is this. Worship is something we add on in our busy schedules instead of something we set apart in our hearts and lives. It's something we just add on instead of setting apart. Isn't it ironic that many of us living in the land of the free, we have become enslaved to our work and activities. We have become so chained and so preoccupied with chasing the American dream that we simply can't justify a morning of worship on the Lord's day. You know what? We're we're really no different than Bill Gates. When asked why he didn't believe in God, he said, and I quote, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. Folks, listen to me. The reality is, that's how many professing Christians feel. There's, there's more I could be doing on a Sunday morning than coming to worship my risen Savior. I mean, let's just be honest here. The Lord's Day is being marginalized more than ever in these last days. And it's killing us spiritually. It is sucking the spiritual life right out of us. And all this comes down to a heart issue. And I say that because, listen, the Pharisees focused on outward externals, but Jesus got to the issues of the heart. The commandments were more outward, but Jesus turns them upside down and he makes them inward. And so this is a heart issue for us. And it's for me as just as well. Because when Jesus is Lord of your heart, Lord in your heart, then worshiping Jesus on the Lord's day will be a priority in your life. It just will. Does that mean if you miss a Sunday that all of a sudden it's not a priority? Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's, not, that's the wrong question. It's not an issue of of tallying your attendance 52 Sundays out of the year. It's an issue of what's your priority. Is Jesus Lord in your life? Because if he's Lord in your life, listen, you will make it a priority to worship him. Do we do that legalistically? No. Absolutely not. But it's a hard issue. A second obstacle that we face in our worship today is that our hearts are filled with unrest 
instead of being at rest. Listen, let me, let me just ask the question. I'll throw it out the question. I, I wonder how many of us come to church, even today, with a heart filled with unrest instead of being at rest in Christ's grace. I think there's a few reasons for this. I think one reason that we come to church with our hearts so un- unrest and filled with unrest is because during the week we get caught up. We get squeezed by the, the culture of this world. We caught, get caught up by the chaos in the events of the world around us that all of a sudden by Friday and Saturday, man, our hearts are in turmoil. We, we, there's no peace in our hearts. There's no rest in our hearts. And so now we come to a worship service, and there we are not at at rest. We have unrest. And that's one reason why we need to come weekly to renew our hearts, to refocus on the rest that only God can bring to our lives. I think another reason why we come with hearts of unrest is because of unconfessed sin. Listen, it is... It's, you have unconfessed sin in your heart, you're going to be in turmoil as a believer in Christ. Your heart will not be at peace. And so to expect to have unconfessed sin day after day, week after week, and then come on Sunday morning and just worship and it be this great time in your life, is a, it's baloney. It's not going to happen. And I think there's another reason that goes back to the first two commandments we looked at. It's hard to participate in restful worship when we are chasing after false idols that only leave us empty and deceived and unfulfilled and unsatisfied. When six days out of the week we are chasing what the world chases, how can we come to a worship service and participate and enjoy restful worship? It's an impossibility. The third obstacle I think we face in our culture today as Christians is we, simply, we view worship as a burden instead of a blessing. I mean, why, why is that? Why do some people feel worship on the Lord's day is a burden instead of a blessing? God tells us why in Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. And although the context is On the Sabbath, it has application for the Lord's Day when God says, if you turn your back or turn your foot back from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you will honor it, God says, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. No wonder people view worship as a burden instead of a blessing. Their hearts are set more on the pleasures of this world instead of taking delight in God. Listen, when we try to make as much room as we can for our own pleasures, then we miss the greatest pleasure of all, which is the Lord himself. I think if we're really honest, I think many of us would have to simply admit, I find God boring. He's boring to me throughout the week, so therefore when I come to worship Him, it's boring as well. Because our hearts are fixed 
on the pleasures of this world. Now listen, it's impossible that a day focused on the Lord should be a burden to the believing heart. After all, Jesus promised, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So here's the bottom line on this fourth commandment and what it means for us today. Here's the bottom line of it all. Are you resting secure in a God who saves? You see, the most important issue is resting in Christ by faith and resting from our efforts to be saved by our works. Listen, we cannot work for our salvation. We may only rest in Christ, and in Christ we find eternal rest. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the eternal Sabbath rest. And those who work to gain God's favor or strive to earn their salvation will not enter this rest. The only way to enter his rest is by trusting in Jesus Christ alone and depending on his work rather than your own. So why in the world would we want to work when you can rest in Christ's work? Hebrews 4, 9 and 10 assures us that in Christ there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So what does all this now mean for the fourth commandment today for us? It means, listen to me, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the fourth commandment. It means the Old Testament Sabbath pointed to the eternal rest that can only be found in Christ. And it means the most important question that you can answer today is, are you resting in a God who saves? Or are you working in vain to save yourself? And once you cease from your work and find rest in Christ, in Christ alone, then participating in restful worship on the Lord's day, let me tell you, it becomes a priority. It becomes something you look forward to. It becomes something you prepare for. You can't wait to get to. And the priority is now no longer remembering the Sabbath day, but the priority is keeping the Lord's day holy because now Jesus is the Lord of your life. So let me encourage you. Take time to, yes, rest physically. Or else you're going to kill yourself. You're going to burn out. But more importantly, to rest spiritually in the God who saves. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for our time together. We thank you that we could take some time to examine this fourth commandment and not only understand and see what it means for the children of Israel, but really to understand what it means for us today and how we don't observe a Saturday Sabbath anymore, but Lord, we have the opportunity, we get the privilege to set aside your day, the Lord's day, to worship you. And yes, we do that in your grace and in freedom. And we thank you for being our deliverer and the one who provides us the eternal rest that is promised to come. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done for us in your name. Amen.